Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with the herald of higher education, Howard Tybal. You know, I feel like I'm a young Frankenstein. I should turn around. Putting you know, on the says, reds! No, not that scene when he says, <laughs> hey, handsome. And the monster turns around and goes, who are you talking about, Harold? What are these? How, how long do you prepare these introductions about me? That was so good. I'll tell you, it's because I'm inspired by all the late night hoopla. Did you watch Dave Letterman's last thing? It was a while Missed ago it. now, but Missed man. It. Oh, it was so good. It was so yeah. good. So every introduction, I'm trying to be, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to be your Paul Schaefer. You are Paul Schaefer. I miss with, those guys. With the hair. <laughs> and you should That's, see the hair this guy has. He's got some hair. I grow hair like a Wookiee. That's the <laughs> truth. All right. Uh, I am very excited about our show today, Howard. We are talking about, uh, we're, really, we're talking about bottlenecks and implementation. It's kind of a spiritual follow-up to a conversation we had just a few weeks back. Uh, the Danger of Thinking in Projects is episode 101. And uh, we have an expert with us to share the load of this conversation with keen experience in rolling out large institutional installations. But before we get to that... Uh, find out more about Navigating Change at TybalInc.com, where you can subscribe to the show uh, in for free in iTunes. There's a link that will take you right over there. You can subscribe to our mailing list and get updates when we post new shows. Uh, or, of course, your podcast app of choice. And join the conversation on Twitter or LinkedIn. We'd love to uh, hear from you. All of that you can find at TybalInc.com. So, joining us for the show this week, we have this this very special guest. Brian Sweeney. Brian is the head of U.S. operations for Unimarket, providing procurement, e-procurement solutions to higher ed institutions around the world. For this episode, we're coming to you from the U.S., but we carry great shame in that, as we should be having this conversation in Unimarket's New Zealand offices and sharing a proper beverage. <laughs> uh, somehow we will try to make do. We've been trying to get Brian on the show for some time now. It's about time. Brian Sweeney, welcome to Navigating Change. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And, uh, definitely looking forward to being here. Excellent. So we're, we're talking about, uh, if we're going to follow up to this conversation we had on, on the danger of thinking in projects, how do we make that transition, Howard? How is this? How do you make this a part two? Well, I think that uh, Brian's going to probably have a lot to say about that, because I know that Brian and I talked about that offline, this idea about project thinking has this mindset that you come in, you put all this energy together, and then you step away. And then sometimes you wonder why these the, the success we're looking for or the return on investment that we're looking for doesn't have the same momentum that we have when we so focus on projects. But there's a dual edge here because we do have day jobs. And it's important to say we're going to dedicate a period of time to be able to do X, Y, or Z. In this case, the work that, that Unimarket is doing is really providing creative and innovative uh, solutions around procurement. So what um, what I think Brian's bringing is a very deep awareness from the work that they do every single day of the challenge of not just having a great tool, but having a, a way of thinking about helping a school, a university, a college, integrate this into their culture. And I think that's the heart of any of these um, technical implementations is how do you both set the right expectations about what it's going to take to have this be perceived campus-wide as, as a success, but at the same time, uh, build some positive momentum around the change. I think it's a dual-edged challenge. I think you have to think this way, but I think there's also a downside in thinking about something just as a project. What, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, within a specific 
e-procurement implementation, there are a lot of different projects, but the overall success factors really are measured by the rollout and how successful you actually collaborate with your suppliers and your vendors to bring them on board, how your users take on the new tool that they have, how you introduce that new tool, and what you measured at the very beginning before you had this e-procurement solution a year out and the legacy that you were talking about on the dangers of thinking in projects and how it doesn't necessarily end with the tool being live, you have to be looking at it from a standpoint of it's it's going to be growing year on year after you actually implement it and roll it out. You know, I've been um, I've been familiar and working closely with uh, Unimarket for a couple of years now, so I'm I'm fairly familiar with what you guys do that is unique around e-procurement. Why don't you just take a minute and talk about that so that people listening to this get a sense of what Unimarket is and what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the uh, opportunity. The difference that Unimarket really has in the market is started from our founder, Scott Blackwood, who was a um, partner with Ernst & Young and really focused on change management implementations, ERP implementations. And he realized that the projects and how e-procurement needed to work, not only just in the cloud and how the technology needed to be uh, structured for a multi-tenant software as a service type of system for this to be successful, it was also a shared uh, shared burden, shared success type of model where you have the communities and the customers and the higher education campuses on one side and the suppliers and their vendors on the other side. And they already have a, a fairly loose partnership. But once you are creating an electronic marketplace, you really can strengthen that with uh, CXML integrations, punch outs, online catalogs, electronic invoicing, uh, electronic bidding processes and contract management. When you have a lot of those tools and the really strong partnerships with those suppliers, if you can deliver that in a great way, you're both going to be very successful. You're both going to have a strong return on investment and strong efficiencies that you'll be gaining from that. Our business model was built around that idea that if the customer is not successful, the supplier won't be successful. If the supplier is not successful, we should not be successful. If all three parties are successful, we're all going to be uh, prospering and, and doing um, doing what we are supposed to and delivering the return on investment for, for everyone. The, the key factors in our operational makeup are really that we have account management support and supplier account management or supplier relations built into our operational day-to-day -day process. So after the implementation, after the project per se or the success journey is really kicked off because you have a new delivered solution that is going to do all these great things for you and, and create all these efficiencies. Once you have that, the account management and the supplier adoption and supplier relations team really guide you through that journey and have monthly calls and are really incentivized and motivated to make you successful. If you're not successful, the suppliers aren't successful and we're not successful. So that's a key uh, tenets of our, of our operation. There's always... Uh, a series of things that are both challenges and sometimes opportunities, but it really often comes down to a much smaller set of things that if we get right, it really makes something be a a good implementation to a great implementation. And I think we would all agree on, on the show today that having the right team leading this is important, right? And having the right internal leadership team when you come in and you work with them is important. Communication, we can talk about that, but I think everybody, no one's going to argue with how important communication is in getting that right. Data integration, all of that and working with them. The piece that I find most challenging with any technical implementation is around business process. And 
you know, I'd like, to, I'd like us to talk about that a little bit because I can tell you that from my perspective, the, the challenge is, you know, a company like Unimarket comes in, the institution is looking to do this in as cost-effective way as possible. There's this, you know, historical concept called, you know, we want to do vanilla, which fundamentally means keep our costs down. But then inevitably what ends up happening is we end up designing a system uh, often that replaces the old one, but we don't change our business practices. And even if we do put an effort into this, I often find it to be insufficient. Now, now I think maybe, and I'm curious in your take about this, both both yourself, Brian, and Pete, it seems to me what we have to do is set the right expectations about what are the business processes we need to change now and make room for longer-term changes over time. And and that's the right expectation to have, as opposed to an all-or-nothing, we didn't change any business processes, we have a new system, it's, it's easier to use, but we're still doing it the same way, or we get buried in business process change that takes the project and makes it three times the length. So how do you navigate that with um, with your customers, and that really is the um, one of the biggest challenges. But also, with any challenge, you have room for great successes as well. And um, when you have that strong leadership team that challenges you and challenges their their project team to uh, to recognize those opportunities, uh, you really are set up for success. With a lot of the business processes, some of the really minute and, and specific details, um, something I, I think I learned from you, Howard, is make sure you're asking the question why at least five times. Mm. You will eventually find that there is an opening there for an improvement, an opening for a way to do things a little bit differently and to bring in the new efficiencies and the new tools that you have. Uh, a lot of our customers are either coming from a straight paper-based requisition through to PO, paper invoice coming back process, and they try to recreate that exactly as is because that's the comfortable thing to do. That's what everybody knows. Uh, there's often many, many opportunities for improvement around the approval process. Um, the small dollar, high volume transactions is really what everybody thinks about when they think of procurement. But right. it's, it's the whole picture. It's, it's every transaction going through the system. So thinking about it, not only in this small dollar, large transaction numbers, which are the biggest opportunity, but the everything else, all the other purchases that are going on. If you can structure the approval process, the different configurations of the site and the, and the system to, to make it work for an electronic process and get your head wrapped around that rather than trying to take it through the paper process from beginning to end. We, we obviously want to understand that paper process in its entirety so that we can dig into those little pieces and ask why and see whether improvements are, are, are available. This idea of getting, of making this transition from, from, you know, paper-based processes and things that, and these processes that can really become, you know, heavily entrenched and getting a culture to buy in around doing it this new way. That is, in my experience, where we see most of that cultural conflict, right? Where this new ideology comes in to supplant an old ideology and there is very little that that we have sort of to say about it, uh, apart from the fact that it's going to improve things somehow. How do you approach that from a cultural perspective? I mean, I get that, you know, Howard's point that that you ably brought up brian you know be asking why and encourage others to ask why how do you take it to that next level of not just here it is it's going to be great but you're going to love it <laughs> absolutely and that's where really communication and letting the um the campus-wide users know as well as the leadership that 
they're doing it for a reason. It's it's to improve their life and their efficiencies. Yeah. It's it's to improve the campus. It's ultimately to save money, uh, which is really where a lot of campuses are looking at. They know that they're um, they're always being looked at in the media for higher tuition. They are really trying to, to lower those tuitions. Um, so keeping the money from going out so quickly is a, uh, is a great, is a great way to do that. See, what, um, you know, what's interesting, Brian, I want to just, I want to chime in so that we can mm-hmm. continue to, on this thread that Pete raised that you just spoke to too, which is, you know, Pete's last comment was so that we love it or that they love it. And, and I think that that is the right mindset, especially with faculty is that faculty have to be front and center. How is this going to uh, influence affect the nature of how they work. And that has to be taken into account. But here's my problem. I think what we do on these projects is that we lie to people. And what we say to them, this is going to be good for you. And a more, and I know why we do it. Uh, we do it because we want to build some momentum around these projects. And But I've recently been in front of large groups, and more and more I've been articulating this message that we have to be honest with people on the front end around these implementations by saying, this will not necessarily make your job easily easier, at least on the front end, at least in the first six months or a year. Over time, it might make your job easier. This is right for the institution. This is why we're doing it. But the change that you're going to go through is going to be in some cases hard because change is hard because it requires us learning new things. That's okay. We will help you along the way. But I don't think we say that. I think what we say instead is, this is going to be great for you. Let me show you a demo version of this tool. It looks slick. It looks great. And then when they have to actually use it in real time, people are deeply disappointed. And, uh, you know, I, I have yet to see, and this is not... I think this is the this is the inherent challenge of any technical implementation, big or small, is how do you find that right balance of being honest on the front end, so the but but that you don't kill your project, right? So how do you how do you manage expectations, or, or when you think about those engagements with, with, that went well, how did you manage the expectations on the front end so that people felt like you were being honest with them? around the challenges through this. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very true statement that um, we always want to make it uh, nice and pretty on the outside, but when you get down into it, you want to be honest and set the expectations that it is going to be some work. Uh, it can be done quickly, depending on your availability. It can be done uh, in certain ways, but ultimately there is going to be change management and some pain points for certain users. Uh, delivering a message, which I think is something you've said many times, is uh, with a balance of opportunity and and risk or opportunity right. and crisis. and the brutal facts or the, you know the, those combinations yes absolutely so understanding where the crisis is or the the, the challenges are going to be and wh- how they are opportunities to actually improve it um, we generally like to do that in the very beginning of the project so even in the sales sales aspect they're always talking about the implementation. A lot of RFPs that we're seeing now, people are paying a lot of attention to the implementation. They want to know the plan, the resources that they'll need. But in the very beginning uh, of the of the air quotes project, there is the kind of, uh, as Daniel, one of our sales guys, like to say, the sharpening of the axe before you cut down the tree. Uh, that's very important to understand 
what the pre-kickoff is going to be like. So going through a pre-kickoff workshop of understanding what their scope is, what their success is going to look like in the end, how you're going to get there, and then what the pain yeah. points may be to uh, to address. Yeah, because because as a faculty, uh, you know, what I just heard was the sharpening the axe before you cut off my arms. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you're on the implemented right. sign, right, side of that, right. that conversation. So, so let me ask you this. E-procurement's been around for a while, and it's clearly gotten more sophisticated, especially since it's moved into the clouds. How have you found uh, that e-procurement is, has evolved? So what is the nature of how e-procurement, e-procurement is being rolled out today? And would you say that there's, there is an equal amount of uh, receptivity as there was? Is it growing? How are you finding that uh, the nature of integrating these in uh, has changed over time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's also a generational thing as well, where um, yeah, there's a lot of right. new new people coming into the workforce that uh, almost demand uh, a better way to do this in an electronic way, where you have uh, some of the older staff on their way out um, that may not may never have used a computer as part of their day to day work work um, process. So. The implementation is a bit tricky and the rollout is a bit tricky for each customer is a bit different. You have to know your culture. You have to know your your um, your champions and who can actually spread the word uh, almost virally. Kind of go back to the before social media, social media, where you can get some of those people that are going to be either the biggest uh, challenge champions of the system or the biggest challengers of the system and yes. you win over some of those challengers, they will be your biggest promoters. And if they can promote before you even introduce the new tool, uh, a lot of people will be craving it and, and beating down your door almost to get to get the uh, to get the new tool, get the new hands on it. Yeah, this this question of advocates is is I think a big one, and uh, and I think it's important to to at least recognize being able to transition uh, the the argument or even transition this process of asking why. You know, if you can get your customers to ask why on your behalf, you've sort of made half the sale, um, which which I think is an it's an important sort of milestone in that cultural transformation. Um, do you can you share with us an example of of the or, or uh, some examples of the kinds of pushback? you get from institutions uh you know do you have an example of an institution rollout that that uh that is is particularly illustrative of of these um, challenges and opportunities yeah absolutely there's um there's always within every every implementation there's good and bad um a lot of times the the bad if it's in a certain area can can be even worse <laughs> i've seen a few uh, chicken and egg type of scenarios where the it resources are limited as they are usually um but they essentially need a very good reason to work on this project. And they say, unless people are using it, we can't in- integrate it. And then the users in the business offices are saying, well, we can't, our users don't want to use it because it's not integrated. They're having to do double entry. Um, so there's a lot of challenges around that. And that's where leadership can really come in and say, this is what we want to have happen. And this is the time we want it to be done in. Um, other challenges from the individual users are generally going to be um, a lot of fear Often uh, they fear it's going to take over their take over their positions, take over their jobs. Um, some of the successes I've really seen is uh, repurposing of some of those positions that people may have been fearful, and they come to their 
their managers or their directors to say, I think this is going to put me out of a job. And they say, well, no, this is going to give you an opportunity to expand your horizons and, and move up to something a little bit different where we're thinking more strategically than tactically. We don't want you to be a paper pusher and somebody who's just right. processing these requests. We want you to be somebody who recognizes these requests and can maybe start negotiating with suppliers on better terms or uh, managing some of these partnerships internally that we, uh, we really need to have in our pockets. You know, we were just talking about this, Pete, uh, when we were having the conversation about shared services. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Right, and the idea that if you are a, whether you're a faculty or administrative, you've got people that support you, and, you know, you develop a certain level of loyalty, and you maybe you've worked with them for 10, 20 years. They have a certain skill set. They've got a certain role, and next thing you know, you're giving them something that would require that they learn something to at a level that would change their job. That, you know, maybe they spend half their time on procurement type functions and this would cut it down to a quarter. Well, what do you do with the rest of that time? And I think the, the, the inevitable question for institutions is the willingness to say, for some of us, this is going to be a great opportunity to take the next step in your career here. For some of you, you've got a choice to make. Do you want to be part of that change? Because if you're not, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not a criticism if somebody says they're not up to something. I'm, I'm thinking that more and more these days. But, you know, we're, we're so careful about not, about not wanting to... Uh, sort of offend people who might not want to do this. When in fact, it actually might be the case that some of us, this change, these changes that are that are coming to higher technology changes, that where you are in your career and what you're doing, it's you're no longer interested in that level of learning, and that's not bad. And instead, what we do is we try and talk around that conversation, or we think that somehow. We've got the change agents and the people who are comfortable, and then we've got the others who there's something some, there's something wrong with them. And in fact, it could very just it could be very very much be just that they're not up for that. And 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 if that's the case, it's a conversation that needs to happen because then you can help that person figure out what they do want to do. And we need to have that conversation more. Um, there's that side of it. And then, you know, from, from the other side of this too, is that I, I think sometimes uh, people that have people that report to them uh, protect their people from these kinds of changes because they anticipate that maybe their staff will have a hard time with integrating it. And I think that's another dynamic that plays out. You know, that's why, Brian, I think you're absolutely right. We've got to show them that the transition is going to be, it's going to be change, but we're going to help you along the way. And to the extent that you can help, you know, Unimarket or or they have an internal team that helps with change or, or training, that you find a way to, to handhold people in that initial transition so they realize it's not as bad as they thought it was going to be. But in some ways, you have to lower the bar. You have to say... Because it's changed, because it's going to be different, because it will be glitchy up front. I mean, that's the other piece of it too, Brian. When have you ever seen an implementation, a technical one, go in smoothly with no technical issues? Zero, right? Oh, no, but well, I, know what you're, I know what you're about to say. <laughs> All the other implementations, exactly. when yeah. we implement, it goes in smoothly, that's the right answer, right? There's, um, the <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the, the honest truth is uh, there's always going to be either process glitches, technical glitches, or 
personality glitches even that they're going to affect the project and keep it from moving forward and recognizing those early uh, having a pilot group um, type of process at the very beginning of technical go live is is, is often used and is often used to find those types of yes glitches. there's um, minimal there's ways to minimize it that's that's yeah. i think your point is that you have a, you have processes to minimize this and that's fantastic i think the important thing is when thing you I would, I would add to that sorry Sorry, Howard, but one other thing I would add to that is um, something I always like to tell the customers up front is being able to see into the past and see into the future is one of your best tools, and it sounds pretty far-fetched, but if you can essentially see into the future by leveraging uh, other customers who have done the same thing, leveraging people who actually have done similar projects and finding out their pitfalls and how they navigated it, and if they can lay out a map for you for what you're about to but the journey you're about to go on, it's it's immensely uh, helpful for you to. Which is actually use, a nice transition. That. You know, the, the, you know, the, the past and the future. Why don't you talk for a minute about um, your Unimarket Now conference in October? Give you a chance to say if you if you want to talk about that a little bit. Look at you doing the transitions, Howard. Well done. And the plugs. That's yeah. Great. <laughs> See, pretty soon Pete, they'd be like Pete, who? Now that's never going to happen ever. <laughs> I, think, I think he's the fan favorite, so he can't get rid of him at this. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That's uh, nice. yeah. The the uh, user group um, Market Now conference is going to be October nineteenth to the twenty first in Chicago, Illinois this this winter or this fall, and it's an opportunity for a lot of the users and the suppliers because they are key part of the whole process as well to get together and define kind of an agenda and, and discussion points and really collaboration because collaboration is in our our tagline of our of our company uh, collaborative procurement uh, we want them to be talking we want there to be open discussions we want there to be feedback about the process and the product that we are working with all of us in the same in the same room at once because uh, our development team actually comes up our CIO our, our product manager comes up from New Zealand we they engage with the customers and the suppliers in a lot of different discussions they show off what we've done in the past year what we're going to be doing uh, in in the coming year and we take a lot of feedback uh, there's a lot of discussions as Howard know he was the keynote uh, speaker for us last year he did a excellent job uh, at the very beginning the f very first day he took over the first day and uh, really energized the the um, the user group and a lot of the suppliers as well to understand that they're not the only ones having those challenges and the different ways to actually manage the and navigate the change. I love that you said that because, you know, there are a lot of ways you can end a sentence that starts with <laughs> Howard really took over the conference. What I do want to add to your, your comment about the conference, Brian, was that I was very much impressed with how Unimarket uh, as an organization really does treat this as a partnership and knows how to leverage uh, individuals who have been through it. And you really have, it's almost like a, a learning mindset. You know, at the conference, you had people there that have been through it so they could share their experiences and their successes and their challenges. And you had new people who were considering it. So just just the, the, the very fact that how you conduct that, uh, that conference really showed me how you think of how important how, how much importance you put on helping an institution think about this in a holistic way. So I was very excited to be part of it and, you know, hoping to do it again with you this year. Well, that was what I was going to are, are you on the docket this year, Howard? Is this, are we making a commitment for, on behalf of Brian? It's in my calendar and Brian and I still need to talk about it, but yeah, I think we're, we're looking to, uh, to build off what we did last year. So we'll, uh, we, well, we got some details we got to work out, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I'm really excited about 
Tells you doing it again, and in the in the fair city of Chicago, the windy city. Did you like how Brian said uh, it's it's in Chicago this winter? I mean fall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, that was, uh, uh, some of the concerns. Yeah, absolutely. I could believe it. When so it's October nineteenth through twenty first in Chicago. When um, uh, do you have the? Is there a website up that you can send people to? Yes, it's on the events page of the Unimarket uh, website. So if you go to unimarket.com and slash events, or from the horizontal navigation toward the right there's an events page excellent all right so head over to events at unimarket.com uh, a lot of great stu- uh, customer stories over there you can hear uh, kind of how unimarket really uh, works with partner institutions to roll out this uh, e-procurement solution there's some really interesting stories on there so I encourage you to do that brian sweeney thank you so much for joining us on the show today thank you we've been i, I hope it was worth your time absolutely excellent well friend of the show you are welcome back anytime brian thanks for joining us uh, on behalf of howard Ty- and Brian Sweeney. I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc.